It's Tuesday, December 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Tuesday. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, we've got some earnings. We've got. Uh, we've wow, got, you're already you're, I, you're I'm, so dismayed by what you're looking. At. I'm looking you can't at the, take it. I'm looking at the dumpster fire that is Outer Wall, which is the parent <laughs> company of Redbox and Coinstar. Outer Wall, one, number one loser on the Nasdaq today. One-time hidden gems recommendation. Really? Yeah, long, we'll get to long, that long ago. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. I'd, I'd love a company I'm, formerly named uh, Coinstar. Yes, formerly known as. We'll dig into a bunch of stuff with them. Let's start with AutoZone though. First quarter profits up fourteen percent. Same store sales up three and a half percent, and a year ago. They were putting up quarterly profits of fifteen percent and comps of more than four percent. So these are these are good numbers on top of a year ago good numbers. And this this thing's a machine. Can we just roll whatever uh, I said last time, last quarter? I think because we <laughs> talked about autos. It just it does. I love this company. We have it in one of the funds. It does everything. Right, every quarter, more or less, it is is same store sales up the, between three and four percent. They open a few more stores, so total sales are up eight nine percent. I'm I'm guessing because I don't have that data in front of me, but they open enough stores that they grow faster than sales. Then they improve their margins, so net in- income usually comes in sort of low uh, double digits, and then uh, they buy back shares. And so you get to mid-teens, fourteen uh, percent earnings per share growth, and they just do it over and over and over again. And uh, so, a little quiz: do you, do you know how what percentage of their shares they've bought back since nineteen ninety eight? You don't. You I, know, I don't you know. know. Don't. <laughs> yeah, the short answer is no. No, I eighty percent. Eighty percent of their shares. So just every year they buy back uh, between about six and ten percent of their shares, and that compounds. Tremendously, and it takes the pressure off the company to grow store count too fast. Uh, they 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 grow shareholder value. They're not solely focused on let's have the biggest company we can have, which you would do by retaining your earnings and making acquisitions and doing things like that. Uh, instead, they're focused on shareholder returns. This is one of those stocks. That I think, particularly for anyone who is just starting out investing, this is one of those stocks that gives you sticker shock because they haven't split their shares in over 20 years. And so, right now, shares of AutoZone are trading just below $800 a share. So, you look at that and you just go, well, gosh, you know, if, I, if I've got $800 burning a hole in my pocket, I can buy one share. And let's face it, that's not fun. But but I think that's to their advantage, and I think that's to the advantage of long-term shareholders because they just think, yeah, it's not it's not fun to own one or just a couple of shares of stock. It's not the sexiest business in the world. But to your point, <laughs> they've got this smart, long-standing management, and they're just delivering year after year. Yeah, I, I think that if if they are as they are the biggest purchasers of their shares. Having bought eighty percent of the number of shares back over the last decade and a half, uh, it behooves them to have a stock price which maybe takes a few marginal buyers out. Uh, that allows them to buy back more. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to argue that they're buying back at a, a great price right now, but they buy back all the time. 
So they're going to have some high prices some of the time. They're going to have better prices some of the time. Uh, right now, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm priced again into the stock, as it seems like there always is, because it, it doesn't give you many bargain opportunities. Luxury home builder Toll Brothers shares falling after fourth quarter profits rose 12%. That was, however, lower than expected. I don't know. There's it, is there nitpicking going on here? This seems like this seems like a good quarter. This is a stock that's had a good year relative to the market. This is a luxury home builder that's building luxury homes. There, I don't know. This seems a little bit like a eh, we missed by a couple pennies. Yeah, there's not a lot of enthusiasm for the luxury home builders. I say that as uh, somebody who helps manage one of the funds that that has a, a different luxury home builder and. Good numbers show up and the stock doesn't move. And that's been the case. You know, one of the reasons why the stocks aren't doing all that well is this is a heavily cyclical thing. Home building, um, to give you an idea, Toll Brothers is only now getting back to the revenue that it had in uh, 2007. Maybe that's not surprising. Uh, it was doing about four billion plus uh, a year as of 2007. Went down to the one billions uh, a year, and it was there for nine, ten, eleven. You know, now we're 2015. It's only now getting back to that level. It's still not up where it was in 2006 when it was a six billion. It's a long way back, and it's a cyclical company, and you don't. Price cyclical things uh, with a, a lot of uh, enthusiasm. So, good quarter, but uh, not up to expectations, and that's what happens. You miss expectations, you get you come down. I don't know about price. you, but I'm over the last few months. I'll see headlines or just a blurb in the, at, at the bottom of the TV screen if I'm watching CNBC or something like that. Relative to housing, whether it's housing data or home builders or housing starts, whatever it is. And over the last few months, I've seen more and more references to 2006 and 2007, as in, oh, this was the best quarter since 2007. And I just instantly have this gut reaction of like, oh, I remember 2007. That's right before the housing market collapsed. <laughs> and it just makes me. I don't know, a little twitchy with uh, with some of the housing data. It, it doesn't seem like we are nearly back where we were, but I don't know. You look at this more closely than I do. Home prices, and it depends on the market. Some are higher than they were back then, but uh, you know, it, it things bottomed out and took a long time to get back. Uh, hey, oil's about back to where it was in 2008. Uh, it, it's Good reason to be cautious. Uh, this is not something we want to see a bubble in. I don't think there's a bubble in housing at the moment, but uh, there probably will be someday. You know, they they appear, and it's, it's good business. Uh, Toll Brothers is is getting back to where it was, close to uh, the the peak of its business. It's not there yet, but it'll get there, and and in between now and then, it'll it'll make some profits for shareholders. Outer Wall is the parent company of Redbox and Coinstar. The I, I, I don't know. Shouldn't they just change their name to Kiosks Incorporated? You know, Coinstar, where you can take your loose change and dump it all in there. And and well, this is Outer Outer, outer Wall. That's what's what it's referring to. There, we used to be recalling the the fourth wall. I think 
I, th- I think the fourth wall just refers to like television when they look into the camera, or movies when they look into the camera. That's one of the references. That's to what. It. <laughs> um, as you said, but they, you got you got your wall. You go, go into a supermarket, right? And you've got traditionally, uh, what's on the right wall? Like uh, vegetables, produce, food, produce. You know, uh, and then the left wall, you've got I don't know something else, a bakery or a deli or something like that. Sure, and the back wall. The back wall is typically uh, something cold. You got your meat. You meat, got your fish. Sure. Chicken. You got the milk. Yeah. And you're saying. And then fourth wall is I where you come in. That's behind the cash registers, and that's where you would have the red uh, the the coin star for the for your change and the red box and and so that's the area of the store that they want to be playing in. Wow. So, this is a company that used to be called Coinstar, and then someone at the company got the bright idea, no, 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 and went through, presumably with company management, the same spiel that you just went through with me. I'm sorry, Outerwall, you're making me do too much work here. Well, I also think that (laughs) Coinstar became less of the driver than Redbox, which is bad news today. That is bad news today, because Redbox, and this is why the stock is the number one loser on the NASDAQ, falling more than 20%. Uh, they lowered guidance for the full fiscal year, and it is entirely on Redbox. And here's the, and we were we were talking just before we started taping. Here's the thing that would trouble me if I were a shareholder beyond the fact that my stock is worth twenty percent less than it was yesterday. And I'm going to quote directly from what management put out in this statement. While Redbox has driven improvements in both unique customers and total rentals during the first two months of the fourth quarter relative to the third quarter, and here's the money quote, the business has not met the company's performance expectations and continues to remain challenged by the historically low box office during the third quarter, which was the worst theatrical box office in Redbox kiosks in four years. They're blaming the movies. The movies. Hollywood is to blame. Netflix? Not making anything good, according to Redbox. <laughs> you know who would disagree? Pretty much everyone else in the movie business. Nah, people have stopped watching everything. No, the studios are making money. The nobody's theaters... turning on Netflix. <laughs> nobody's nobody's finding anything to rent or stream, according to Outerwall. I this is delusional, isn't it? Uh, they're yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's they're they're in. Uh, in the midst of fighting a demographic trend which is not to uh, their benefit. And the streaming is going to continue to encroach on... I, you ever use Redbox? Every once in a while, I'll use Redbox. But oh. I mean, this is some pretty extraordinary wordsmithing that they did. Because I get that they can't come out and say, you know what the problem is with our business? We're competing with Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Go, and tomorrow, the five new video streaming services that will pop up. Because that seems to be a better business model than DVD rentals. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. And so, the, and, well, why not blame Hollywood? Everybody else blames Hollywood, right? Uh, politicians seem to do a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, when, when it's to their advantage. <laughs> when it suits them. It's, and today it suits Outerwall. This is a. Get moving, Hollywood. Make something worth watching. Make something worth renting from a kiosk. I think that's what they're saying. You've made lots of things that are worth watching in other forms. Now it's time to focus back on the kiosk rentals, right. which you once used to be able to do. Can't we think of the D, uh, the, the DVD kiosks? <laughs> think, think of the poor DVD kiosks. 
Speaking of Untended movies. Intended to. Speaking of movies, the last time you were here, the topic of Die Hard came up. Whether or not Die Hard is, in fact, a Christmas movie. By it came up, you mean you raised it. I raised it. Well, and it came up because before we started taping, we were talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I asked Dan Boyd, our man behind the glass, what's your favorite Christmas TV special slash movie, and he instantly said Die Hard. And listeners weighing in pretty overwhelmingly, yeah, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. There are a few people saying, no, not really, but for the most part. You got, you got a substantial amount of email about this. Yes, yes. I don't have it handy in front of me at the moment, but uh, but well, my yeah. computer's died, so I, I'm I'm just going to have to talk off the top of my head, which is dangerous to listeners out there. Um, but we were talking about another classic that as uh, and we just realized this the other day that both of us over the weekend, part of our weekend, involved watching the the now Christmas classic, Elf. Yes. Did you go to a DVD kiosk to rent <laughs> yours? I just no. watched. So I watched mine the old-fashioned way. And by the old-fashioned way, I meant it was on TV, and and so I uh, uh, DVR'd it. And then, actually, when we caught up to where it was on the viewing, because we DVR'd it and it started a few minutes in, and once we caught up to where the commercials were and we couldn't speed through them, we stopped watching. <laughs> and then just it was like, we'll let it record, we'll finish watching tomorrow. This so is, that's old-fashioned. This is know. one of those DVDs that I actually own, so just sort of planned our Sunday night around watching Elf, and it's just, it's so good. You got any any quotes from Elf that are routinely used in the household? Um, frequently, when the phone rings, uh, someone will answer it by saying, <laughs> Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Really? That will happen, yes. See, that's been known to happen at my home. That should happen at our home, but we um, unplugged our phone. Yeah. Yeah. So it hasn't rung for <laughs> a long time. The only person who had our number apparently were telemarketers. Oh, that's, yeah, I think I think that day is coming soon in my home. Just just getting rid of the landline altogether. Elf took in. I looked this up. Took in one hundred seventy three million dollars at the box office. That is more than I would have expected. And that's is substantial. Yeah. And it's certainly more than the studios were expecting uh, because I've I've heard interviews. Will Ferrell has done and John Favreau, the director. Where and and it appeared as the doctor. Yes, I kind of like that about John Favreau. He just puts himself. It's the Alfred Hitchcock movie. He puts himself in his own movies. Gives himself yeah, a little. He's role. a little little bigger role than Alfred Hitchcock. That's true. Did Alfred Hitchcock ever speak in any of his roles? Or? I don't think he ever did. I think he just said, "Oh, I'm going to be a person crossing the street in this yeah. scene," which. You know, Alfred Hitchcock cuts a pretty distinct figure. He's not really a, a dude who blends in with the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to pick out Alfred Hitchcock. But uh, Favreau talked about how the studio did not want Will Ferrell in this movie, and despite the fact that he was the biggest star on Saturday Night Live at the time, they were like, yeah, we're, we're, we don't really see him as a movie guy. And it's just, it, it holds up so well. And I, I believe that one of Will Ferrell's greatest contributions is to turn down the buckets of money that have been offered to him to do Elf 2. Oh, yeah. Have, um, have there actually been? I think, oh, well, I read this online, so it must be true. It must be true. And I, I think he turned down like $25 million well, or well, something wait, like that. For, I mean, all joking aside, what movie studio hasn't had any sort of a surprise financial hit, and then immediately said, oh, we got to do another one. Right. So, and, I mean, this this is one of those things that, well, it, it, logic dictates that this is true. 
Yeah, and and so I think that uh, yes, somebody in the studio at some point said, "Let's get somebody on making a, a Elf two script, right? Like whether whether it ever gets done or not. Let's just have something." And uh, you know, instead they've made musicals and and other things off the original story. But yeah, it, it doesn't need a sequel. Do you have a favorite moment in Elf? A favorite moment in Elf? Uh, you know, probably uh, a number. I, but I think when um, Buddy is uh, singing um, with the, um, Zoe Deschanel in, in the locker room and uh, they finish up one of your favorite songs, I think. One of yes. your favorite Christmas songs. Baby, it's cold. Baby, outside. it's cold outside. Yes. We'll get to that. And then she screams at him to, to you know, go and, and don't look. And he, he crashes into the locker. Yeah. I, I actually <laughs> managed to laugh every single time. You know, it's coming. That. I know it's coming, and it still works. That's but a, also a great song. A classic, and it's been covered many, many times. But f- And you like, if I remember correctly, particularly the m- most lecherous version that you can recall, which is the Ray Charles, right? Isn't he like... Ray I Charles... I mean, it's a little... It's a, the song's a little dated, but... It yeah, still we'll, works. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the lyrics of the song in a second, but r- the Ray Charles, Betty Carter version, for my money, is the best version. I mean, it's Ray Charles. I mean, you, you have two... You're first, daring people to come up with a better version. Uh, you, you know, they're I, not going to. I've, You're I've, saying. I've scoped out all the versions. This, this is. I'm declaring that this is the gold standard. There are others that are good. That's the gold standard. But yeah, it's a. When you look at the lyrics, it's a. It's a duet, and it's. Um, although I, I was just going to say, it's the. It's the man. Singing to the woman, baby, it's cold outside. Don't leave, baby. It's it's cold out there. It's snowing. You don't want to leave. Have a few Stay more here. drinks. Have another drink. <laughs> Have let, another me put drink. On a, let me put let me put on a record. Let me get you another drink. Um, but I just saw a a new version that was, I think, on uh, some sort of like an ABC special or something like that, and it was Lady Gaga and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the roles were reversed. It's Lady Gaga saying. Maybe it's cold outside, and it was it was very charming. It was wonderfully done, and they both have obviously. She has a phenomenal voice, and and he's got a very good. And he voice. apparently can sing too. You're he saying. can sing as well. So so that's you know what well you know that's one I'll put a doesn't doesn't top Ray and Betty though. You're yeah. I'm just saying doesn't top Ray and Betty. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. It's cold outside. I've got to go away. That is cool out there. This evening has been. Been hoping that you drop in. So very nice. I'll hold your hand. They're just like my ice. mother will start to Beautiful, worry. what's your hurry? And father will be pacing the Listen floor. to that fireplace. So really, I'd better scurry. Beautiful, please don't hurry. Well, maybe just a Why don't you more. put some records on while I pour? And the neighbors might think... Betty, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this tree? No cabs to be had out there. I wish I knew how.
Your eyes are like starlight now. To break the spell, I'll take your hat. Your hair looks high. I ought to say no, no. Mind if I move in closer. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. What's the sense of hurting my pride? I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Our blood is cold outside. I simply must go. Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is no. I say it's cold out there. The welcome has been. How lucky that you dropped in. So nice and warm. Look out that window. Man, that's my warm. sister will be suspicious. Your lips look delicious. My brother will be there at the door. Waves upon a tropical shore. My maiden aunt's mine is delicious. Your lips are delicious. Well, maybe just a oh, cigarette more. Never such a blizzard before. I've got to go home. Better you freeze out there. Say, lend me your comb. It's up to your knees out there. You've really been great. I thrill when you touch my hand. But don't you see? How can you do this thing to me? There's bound to be tough to think of my lifelong sorrow. At least there will be plenty implied. If you caught pneumonia and died. Get over that old now. Our blood is cold. 